Hi, welcome to Bookie. To unlock more world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Today we will unlock the book Decisive Moments in History. There is an ancient ballad from England saying, For one of a nail the shoe was lost, for one of a shoe the horse was lost, for one of a horse the rider was lost, for one of a rider the battle was lost, for one of a battle the kingdom was lost. It was about a battle fought between Charles III and Earl Henry to seize control of the kingdom. On the morning of the day of the battle in 1485, Charles III sent a stable boy to get horseshoes nailed on his war horse. When the blacksmith was nailing the horseshoes, he found that a nail was missing. At this time, the bugle sounded for assembly, and it was too late to find another nail. The groom was afraid of being scolded for the delay, so he made the blacksmith finish up quickly, despite the missing nail. On the battlefield, when Charles III was about to engage in battle, the horseshoe with a missing nail fell off. Consequently, Charles III was hurled to the ground. The soldiers mistakenly thought that an arrow had killed Charles III, and thus the army was demoralized. Earl Henry exploited the situation to launch an offensive and won the war, which gave him dominion over England. If the blacksmith had been able to nail the horseshoe adequately instead of providing subpar work, maybe Charles III would not have suffered this stunning defeat and loss of the kingdom. Of course, it's difficult to verify the authenticity of this story. Still, there were indeed many similar critical moments in human history. The book Decisive Moments in History has recorded 12 crucial moments in human history, which we will share with you today. This book is different from other history books that revolve around the records of historical events and the analyses of historical figures. The author not only depicts epic events in history, but also amplifies them in order to get a close-up of 12 decisive moments, which together form a grand tapestry of civilization. The author refers to these rare but dramatic peaks as decisive moments in history. The author Stefan Zweig was a famous Austrian novelist and biographer. He has been hailed as one of the most celebrated biographers in history. Zweig was born into a wealthy Jewish family. In his early years, he studied philosophy, German literature, Roman language and literature at the University of Vienna. He focused on literary creation after earning his PhD in philosophy. He was known for the books 24 Hours in the Life of a Woman, and Letter from an Unknown Woman, and Three Masters. While traveling around the world, he met famous authors such as Roman Rolland, Rodin, and Gorky. These personalities greatly influenced his literary creations. After the rise of the Nazis in 1933, Zweig was blacklisted because of his Jewish identity, and his works were destroyed and banned. Later, as the persecution continued to worsen, he went into exile in Britain, stayed briefly in the United States, and eventually settled down in Brazil. On 23 February 1942, due to his pessimism about the situation in Europe and disillusionment with life, Zweig and his wife committed suicide at their home in the city of Petropolis. Just like life, history is constantly changing. So in addition to widely known stories, what other nameless but important moments are worthy of the world's attention? In this bookie, we will handpick nine moments and uncover them thoroughly in three sections. Part 1, The Human Journey of Discovery 
Part 2 The War of Mankind Part 3 Human Ideology and Art First, let's discuss Part 1, The Human Journey of Discovery. As we all know, the Pacific Ocean is the largest ocean in the world, and its area occupies nearly half of the planet. However, very few people know the name of the first person to venture beyond the Americas, reach the east coast of the Pacific Ocean, and look back over the vast waters. If the discovery of the Americas was the most critical first step in humanity's understanding of the Earth, then the discovery of the Pacific Ocean was the second step, and was extremely crucial. After its discovery, America and Asia could finally be connected, which filled the most significant gap on the map of humanity. Only after this event did Magellan's fleet have the opportunity to fulfill its historical mission of proving that the Earth is round. At the end of the 15th century Columbus quickly ignited the enthusiasm of the gold rush in the Spanish people after his discovery of the American continent. Whether it was a high-ranking noble, or a person at the bottom of society, they were scrambling to embark on an adventure in search of gold. One of the explorers was Balboa, who came to Española to escape his debts, and simultaneously intended to pay off his debts and get rich by digging for gold. After finding no trace of gold, he sneaked onto a large ship belonging to Enciso, who was a jurist that was nicknamed the Bachelor. When the ship arrived at Darien near Panama, Balboa and Enciso teamed up to suppress the native people and plundered a large amount of gold. Balboa soon banished both the governor appointed by the Spanish king and Enciso through the use of force and trickery. By the time Balboa became the new master of the colony, his actions had broken Spanish law. Just when the king was about to put him on trial for his crimes, the most powerful native chief invited Balboa to have a meeting. The chief told him that there was a sea across from Darien. It was on the southern ocean and was flowing with gold. At last, Balboa found the trail to the land of gold, which he had been dreaming about for a long time. He concocted a plan on the spot, instead of waiting to be tried in court it would be better to venture out to the southern ocean in search of gold. If the land of gold existed, the Spanish royal family would treat him as a hero, which would be enough to buy his freedom. Balboa's mission in life was to find gold, because gold equaled power. Balboa knew the gamble he was taking. Either he would suffer a miserable death by the guillotine, or his name would be remembered by generations to come. Balboa chose the latter, so he risked his life by leading 190 soldiers across the Isthmus of Panama and the feverish low-lying swamp. Finally, the team reached the crest of the mountain, but Balboa climbed to the mountaintop by himself. He finally spied the Pacific Ocean that Columbus had been struggling to find. The man became the first European to look out over the Pacific Ocean from the American continent. Later, he collected a large amount of pearls and gold from the Pacific coast, and dedicated his findings to the royal family in hopes of gaining the king's pardon. Any fugitive in the world will search for a method of escape, but we are not sure that any fugitive would be as lucky as Balboa. Having made such a glorious getaway, he transformed from a robber, adventurer, and rebel into a hero by securing his own survival. That was the first story of the human journey of discovery. Our second story also concerns gold. The Gold Rush is one of the most popular stories in human history, a staggering event that can be seen as a contributing factor in the development of the Western United States. 
It played a more pivotal role in facilitating the modernization of the United States than that of the Civil War. This mass migration significantly contributed to the course of modern economic development in the United States. More importantly, since then, the United States has become a modern country of immigrants with a global perspective. With its territory linking the Atlantic and the Pacific, it has finally become a major world power. The main protagonist of this story was one of the wealthiest people in human history, and the person who hated gold the most, John Augustus Sutter. Sutter had been living a miserable life up until the age of 31. His reputation was mired by crimes such as bankruptcy, theft, and the forgery of securities. The only foreseeable event in his future was a court trial. Hence, in 1834 he left his wife and three sons, fleeing to New York by boat. Later, he traveled to the West to begin his arduous journey. At last, he arrived in San Francisco, which is part of California today. California did not belong to the United States at that time, and was a remote Mexican province lying fallowed and neglected, experiencing frequent revolts. San Francisco was merely a small, desolate fishing village. However, Sutter found the land very arable for growing crops. Therefore, he proposed to the governor at the time to establish an immigration zone and voluntarily assumed responsibility for building and managing the area. He wanted to set up a small new kingdom. The governor approved his proposal, giving Sutter a concession for ten years. This magical land did not fail to live up to Sutter's expectations. The planted seeds produced a fivefold return, the barns were filled, and the herds flocked in high numbers. The small kingdom he established and managed here covered a large and extensive area. Canals, mills and international trading agencies were built. Sutter supplied not only the Fort Vancouver and the Sandwich Islands, but also all the sailing vessels that landed in California. The Californian fruits he cultivated are still famous and admired worldwide today. He accumulated credit and a considerable amount of assets in the greatest banks of England and France. Sutter became the wealthiest man on earth at the time. However, the good days did not last long. In the end fate would have the last laugh. The discovery of gold on the fertile land once again changed Sutter's destiny. In January 1848, Marshall, Sutter's carpenter, found gold in the sand of the canal. The gold was easily obtained with the simple use of a sieve. Since the gold was discovered on Sutter's land, Sutter naturally claimed the gold as his property. Though Sutter had asked the people around him to swear that they would keep it secret, a woman revealed the secret by giving a few kernels of gold to some passerby. What happened next was without precedent. A massive horde of gold prospectors fanatically trespassed on Sutter's territory, and scourged Sutter's homestead like a swarm of locusts. As the gold rush intensified and the news spread all over the world, many crowds flocked to San Francisco from all over the world. Sutter's land and property were carved up entirely by the gold rush. Not a single kernel of gold found on his land was put into his pocket. On the contrary, the gold ruined his family. All of this was a cruel twist of fate. The fanaticism of the gold rush undoubtedly created havoc for Sutter. He became penniless and impoverished in an instant. To defend his rights, he could only make use of the law by filing a suit in the state government. He asked the government to compensate him for the loss of property and return all the gold found on his land. At that time, 
California had already been annexed to the territory of the United States of America in 1850. Under its strict governance, the United States put a stop to the anarchy and established a legal system. The government accepted Sutter's case, and Sutter won the first judgment, but at the expense of the interests of tens of thousands of people in San Francisco. Countless numbers of angry protesters stormed into the courthouse to light the verdict sheet on fire. One of his sons shot himself when surrounded by the bandits, another was murdered, the third fled and drowned while trying to return home. Sutter barely escaped while his former small kingdom was set aflame. After that, he embarked on a long journey of retaliatory lawsuits. He was eventually reduced to being a panhandler. He wandered vacantly around the Hall of Justice in Washington for 25 years until his death, and he did not receive compensation for his property. History was created as a result of these events, but everyone had a different destiny, and Sutter's story was especially pitiful. The next story is more uplifting. The British Antarctic expedition fought hard in the name of glory and idealism in the fatal competition of conquering the Antarctic. It also carried considerable weight in determining human history. By the 20th century, humanity had conquered almost every corner of the Earth, aside from the coldest areas of the Antarctic. For decades, many countries had sent countless expeditions but none successfully reached the Antarctic. Therefore, reaching the South Pole was not only a matter of personal glory, but would also bring honor to the country that was successful. The British Navy Captain Robert F. Scott once represented Britain in the conquest of India and countless unnamed islands. His deeds have been recorded multiple times throughout history. This time the mission to the Antarctic fell on Scott. In November 1910, with thorough planning, Scott led the British expedition in a march towards the South Pole with full confidence of their success. Although they had learned in the process that the Norwegian expedition had already planted the Norwegian flag on the land of Antarctica, they still held on to their idealistic hopes. They decided to confirm with their own eyes, whether or not another country had already reached the South Pole and conquered the only unoccupied region on Earth. Scott and the expeditionists fought hard to trudge through the snowstorm. When they reached their destination, they found that the Norwegian flag had already been planted on the South Pole. Norway had been the first country to reach it. In this way, the expedition was ultimately a failure for Scott. Scott wrote in his diary that the journey had been in vain, for nothing but dreams that have now ended. They left tears of sorrow at the South Pole. They felt gloomy and hopeless, as though they were convicted criminals. After they grievously planted the British flag next to the victorious Norwegian flag, it was time for them to go back. However, the return journey seemed as though it would be more dangerous, and Scott wrote in his diary, I dread the trip back. Sure enough, the storms and howling gales, freezing temperatures, and unceasing cold on the way back destroyed the lives of the heroic expeditionists with a force like no other. Their bodies had long been frozen, and they completely ran out of their food supply and fuel. Some expeditionists went insane and teetered on the brink of death. Some left the campsite to meet their deaths like heroes in the wasteland of ice and snow. With tenacious will, Scott insisted on keeping a diary and writing letters to his homeland and wife. March 2nd, March 21st, March 29th. Scott's diary at the end of his life became a veritable diary of death, which recorded the downfall of a hero. Finally, 
After months had passed, on October 29, another expedition took place to find the bodies of the heroes and retrieve their diaries and other documents. Scott's records and letters were swiftly broadcast all over the world via telegrams. People found them very impressive and astonishing. In the Cathedral of the Empire, the king bent his knee in memory of the heroes. We have now covered the first part of the book, The Human Journey of Discovery. In this section, we have seen three of the most adventurous symbols in human history. Balboa ventured beyond the Americas and discovered the Pacific Ocean. The gold on Sutter's land was madly sought after by people all over the world, but Sutter ended his life in a state of ruin because of this. Using extremely tenacious will, Scott's expedition engaged in a fatal competition with nature, and left human footprints on the South Pole. Today we are just sharing limited bookie. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features.